Hello, everyone. Welcome to the ninth episode of the Walk On Podcast. We're here today with former Penn State quarterback Christian Hackenberg. Christian, how are you doing, and what have you been up to recently? I'm doing good, man. Um, just been hanging out, uh, finishing up school, um, just trying to stay busy with everything going on, you know, so um, just trying to stay active. All right, so obviously the COVID virus is going around and now college football is being impacted by it. If this were, if you were in season for college football, what would be your thoughts on playing? Would you opt out or would you be more willing to play than most are? Yeah. I mean, I think it's like, obviously it's a tough decision um, for any player, but I think you really just have to look at it, you know, personally and evaluate what the facts are to you. You know what I mean? I think you have to go in there and, and gather as much facts as you can about it and make a decision based upon that rather than just listening to what all the different types of media are talking about because it's it's just hard when it gets jumbled like that. So personally, I would want to play. I'd be willing to play. Um, you know, I think that that's uh, the vast majority of the guys in college right now want to play. Um, but like I said, um, you know, the powers that be and all the things that are going on, I think it's a little bit of a political side of it. But, um, you know, it, like I said, I think the players want to play. I know I'd want to play. And, you know, I really I really feel bad for a lot of them. Uh, you know, like my, my younger brother's playing soccer at Penn State right now, and his season got canceled too with the whole Big Ten thing doing it. So, you know, it's something that hit home for me. And, uh, you know, it, it just – sucks for them. You know what I mean? It sucks for those kids. Sure. So recently you've attempted to sign with a professional baseball team as a pitcher. What factored into that decision to give baseball a go? Well, so that, that whole story kind of got blown out of proportion. I started throwing again. Um, I was a good baseball player in high school. Uh, didn't really focus on pitching, um, but uh, had worked with some guys, uh, Chris Haney, pitched for about 10 years in the bigs. And then my, it's only also four boys. So my two youngest brothers, my one brother's playing baseball at Clemson and the youngest is playing, just committed to Virginia tech. He's going to be a senior in high school this year to pitch. So, um, baseball was the, you know, sport that I didn't put a ton of time into, but was pretty good at, and I loved it. So, um, yeah, I mean, I was just starting, I started to work out. I'm still doing it. Um, you know, just keeping all options on the table. Like I said, you know, when I initially got interviewed with that whole thing, it was like, I never really said like, Hey, I'm trying to play professional baseball. Like I just said, I wanted to compete at a high level again. Um, so for me, like I'm at a point in my life where if I can get an opportunity to do something like that, like I'm going to go 110% into it. Um, but you know, obviously there's a process to that and there's a process of getting your body ready and getting your body acclimated to throwing a baseball again. Um, mechanically and just from a stamina uh, stamina standpoint and getting the right muscles working and stuff like that. So just trying to get back into it. And that's that's where I am right now, just trying to get back into it and throwing a ball as much as I can without overdoing it. Um, But, yeah, I mean, like I said, I love it. I love to compete. And, you know, I'm 25. I feel like I got a lot left in the tank, you know, in terms of being able to be a high-level athlete. So uh, for me, you know, Baseball would be fun. It'd be fun to give it a run. Going back to your NFL days, to you, what was the best part of being an NFL QB 
or being in the Jets QB room in general? Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think like for me, it was something that I wanted to do since I could remember. Um, you know, I grew up on the sidelines. My grandfather was coach. My dad was coach. So I grew up around football. Like my earliest memories are in a locker room. I was a water boy. So um, it's something that's deeply rooted in me and kind of what makes me up, what, what I'm part of something that, you know, makes, makes me who I am. But, uh, you know, I think that was something that's great about it. Um, and obviously like, you know, that's, that's something not a lot of, I mean, it's a 1% of people get the opportunity to ever do that. You know what I mean? So to be able to have the opportunity to do that and, and, uh, stick around for a little bit, you know, obviously I wish that some things would have gone a little bit differently, but, you know, like I said, at the end of the day, um, you know, I know I put everything I had into it and sometimes, you know, the cards just don't fall in your favor. So, you know, you can't sob about it. You know, you just keep going with life and, uh, you know, keep trudging through. So for me, like I said, you know, I really value the lessons that I got from there, both, you know, from the, from the adversity and the successes. Um, and, uh, those are things that are going to make me a better person, a better husband, a better brother, better son. And, uh, you know, hopefully in the future one day, a better dad. So, um, that's what I think is really valuable about the game. Um, and then, like you said, at that level, like I said, it's just, it's, it's, it's truly like a blessing to have been able to get to that level and compete and see what it was all about. And like I said, fulfill that childhood dream. Mm-hmm. So in 2018, you uh, were actually drafted to the AAF. What was it like to be in an expansion league of football? Yeah. Um, everything was different. You know, I mean, I think like that, that whole league was a little, um, there was some chaos involved. Um, but you know, like I said, I think, I think leagues like that are going to be huge for football. Um, (laughs) and I think something needs to stick, you know, like the, I thought the AAF, uh, that, that whole thing was really unfortunate. And that was more of a financial side of things that kind of caused that to fold. But, um, you know, I think the XFL was doing a great job until this, until COVID hit. And I think they just had to follow suit with everybody else. Um, but I think that's something that definitely needs to stick. And I know that the rock had just bought the XFL. So I think that's going to be huge. Um, and obviously I think like with my experience with the AAF, I think there were some kinks, like you, you, you can't like start something that fast and, uh, you know, not really have, things set in stone and things established, especially financially, um, to make sure that it, that things funded and ready to roll. So, um, you know, I think that, that aspect of it kind of made that experience harder. Um, but like I said, I think that there definitely needs to be a place in that. And it's not just for players. I think it's also for coaches, athletic trainers, uh, weight staff people, like strength coaches, all those people, like that's what NFL Europe used to be back in the day. Um, but you know, I, I think the owners didn't really want to fund that anymore. So I think like some, some form of spring league or league like that expansion league like that needs to stick because I think it's just going to be good for football. It's going to improve the overall quality. I think the player is going to have somewhere to develop guys who may be threes or fours can go somewhere and play and get the experience and then be able to go in there and compete for, you know, a backup job or possibly have the opportunity to go in and play and start somewhere. So I think that that's something that should be huge for football because the only thing they have is college football. So, um, you know, I think hopefully something sticks here in the future just for, just for the game. I think it's a really good, good thing for the game. 
Yeah. Um, so you're our first guest that's been drafted into their pro sport, or at least the NBA slash NFL. Mm-hmm. Um, what was your draft night experience like? It was good, man. You know, I really, uh, I'm a big family guy and I'm not really a big glitz and glamor guy. So, um, you know, I decided to stay at home and I knew there was a chance that I could go in the first, first day. So, um, it ended up not working out, but the second day was great. You know, we just, we hung out at my house, um, had all the people there that, that, you know, really watched me grow into the player and the person that I am now. So, uh, like I said, really intimate, really cool night. I definitely won't forget. Um, you know, like all my brothers were there, my, my, my mom, my dad, my high school coach, uh, my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife. Like it was, it's a, it's a, it was, it was awesome. It was a great night. Um, and, uh, special moment for sure. What was the, like, in terms of like talking with coaches leading up to the draft, what was that whole process kind of like? Well, that was cause I came out early. So, um, and I, I was in school for only two and a half years, really. So, like, I didn't have the opportunity to go to any type of, like, senior bowl or one of those, like, shrine games or anything like that. So a, what happens is, is a lot of guys that go and play in those games, a lot of the interviews and the, in, the in-person meetings with the staff, the GMs, um, your respective position coaches and stuff like that occurs at that venue. Um And then like when you get to the combine and then you get to the pre-draft process, they've already had like basically that step then gets shifted to the draft or to the combine and then the pre-draft process if you don't attend one of those games. So I didn't have the, I I couldn't, I wasn't eligible to go play in one of those. So my combine was nuts. I think my last night I had like 13 meetings in a row, like official meetings on top of you know, just going into, uh, the one they call it the, the, um, train station. Like you go in there and like every team has some form of scout, uh, offensive quality control position coaches and stuff in there. And they can sit you down and grab you and talk to you for however long they want to. And then you have like your official meetings, which are like 15 minutes, um, on a clock and then you rotate. So I had like 13 of those in a row one night starting at like eight o'clock. So by the end of that night I was drained. Um, and then I did, I think, four or five, like, visits pre-draft where I went to facilities. Um, but those were a lot less stressful. Like, those were more just kind of, like, going in, talking to people. You're talking a little bit of ball. But a lot of it's just kind of seeing what everything's all about and seeing how the operations go and, you know, what, what the city's like, what the facility's like. So, you know, I think really the, the combine was tough because on top of that, like, you're getting poked and prodded from every direction from the medical side to – and, you know, it, there's just a lot of stuff that goes into it. Um, so it was a little bit more hectic for me than I think someone who would have been a, a guy who was a true senior and had the opportunity to go play in a Shrine Bowl or, um, you know, the Senior Bowl or whatever it is and have knocked out a lot of that process early on. But, you know, like I said, it was it was good. You know, again, another another like experience that, you know, tests you a little bit. You know what I mean? You have to be on it. You have to be sharp. And you can't just be sharp for the first three meetings. You have to be sharp for all 12 meetings. So really going in there with a game plan and then being able to execute it and present yourself well um, was key. So I, I, I kind of I enjoyed that challenge, but it was definitely something that was a lot of 
there was a lot of headache after that. You know what I mean? It was just one of those things where like, I was so overloaded. I was like just begging for a moment just to catch my breath and breathe. But, um, it was cool though. It was, it was cool. It was a unique experience. Um, and, uh, you know, again, fortunate to have had it for sure. Um, all right. So, um, what made you going back to your high school recruitment days, what made you really set on Penn state? So, um, so I went to an all boys military Academy in Virginia. It was in, it was in my hometown. Um, but it was a really well-known, uh, school for football. Uh, we have a high school program. We also have a postgraduate program and, uh, both programs have put, I mean, more than you can count guys in division one and the NFL. So my high school coach had been there for 40 years. He coached Eddie George. He coached Chris Perry. So I was just like another guy, um, for him. So he always kept me grounded. And I remember the first, the first time when I went to Fort Union, it was my sophomore year in high school. I transferred to Fort Union from my public school in the same County. And he sat me down and was like, all right, listen, if you're going to come here, you need to write out a list of schools that you want. You need to write, you know, what you're looking for academically, what you're looking for athletically and what you're looking for from a social standpoint. So, um, he was very, very like straightforward, militaristic, structured about my process. So it forced me to kind of really think about it as a sophomore. And then as everything started happening, I had already had a game plan going into it. So for me, like from a football standpoint, one of the biggest things was I wanted to go to a school that was going to develop me to play, to be able to play in the NFL. And that's, like I said, going back to what I was saying, you know, about having the opportunity to play in the NFL, like that's something that was ingrained in me since I could walk. So at a young age, I had a maturity level and a focus of like, that's what I want to do. It's like college is going to be awesome, but that's what I want to do. So for me, you know, I just tried to like, rather than going out and collecting, you know, 70 offers, like I just wanted to collect the right offers. So it was weird. Like, uh, I have family in Northeastern PA. So like, I know how crazy like the Penn state fan base is. And my first, actually the first college football game I ever went to was at Penn state when I was like three. So I knew what it was about. I love the atmosphere there, but when I sent my film up there, I didn't hear anything back because Joe was still there. Joe Paterno was still there. So I didn't hear anything back. And I, at that point in time, like Alabama had offered me, like I had, you know, all these other big power five schools that offered me, I didn't hear anything back. So, um, after Joe got fired and Bill took, Bill O'Brien took the job. Um, I was going to play a pickup game of basketball. It was like the winner. It was the winner. It was right after my junior season. I was going to play a pickup game of basketball in our field house. And one of our one of our uh, assistant coaches for the post-grad team actually played for Bill O'Brien at Duke. And he goes, yo hack, I know the guy that just took the Penn state job. And I know that was a school that you had listed on your like original list that you wanted to go to. Um, I think it'd be a great fit for you. Do you want me to send your film up there? I was like, and like just brushing off, I was like, yeah, gee, whatever, dude. Cause his name was Norman G. I was like, whatever, man. And I went up, played my pickup game of basketball. The next day, coach London, who's my area scout was downstairs at Fort Union. He offered me. And then I went and it ended up like snowballing. But when I went up there, it was the end of, it was like the middle of February. I went up there um, for like a junior day. And I sat down and just talked to Coach O'Brien. And like I said, like, I'm not really a big, like, glitz and glamour guy. I don't like BS. Like, I like people to shoot me straight. And he was, like, one of the only guys that when I sat down, 
you know, didn't really promise me anything, explained to me what he liked about my game, explained to me what he thought I could do better, explained to me how he was going to help me get better, um, told me that he wasn't going to promise me anything. Like I said, he was just going to give me an opportunity. Um, he loved, you know, my tape, yada, yada, yada. Um, and obviously he had just come from the Patriots and that's as pro style pro ready system as you're going to get in college football. Um, so that's really from a football standpoint, what did it for me was being able to go and play for that guy who had just got done coaching Tom Brady and was literally asking the quarterbacks of Penn state to do the exact same thing that he was asking Tom Brady and every other quarterback that he coached in professional football. So to do line of scrimmage operation, um, you know, checks, uh, defensive recognition, defensive understanding. So, you know, I thought for me that was great because again, end goal was to play in the NFL. So that's from a football standpoint, what really drove me to Penn state was having the opportunity to play for him and learn a lot about the game at 18 years old. You know what I mean? So that was, uh, that was big for me. What was it like for you committing to a program that was at the time in a bit of turmoil? That yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, like that all that whole thing like was tough, and I think that really like the effects of all the sanctions and stuff hit my sophomore and junior year at school. Like just from a depth standpoint, and all those things with them cutting our scholarships down to sixty-five and stuff like that. Like, I mean, my true freshman year, we pl- we were playing with forty-three scholarship guys and every other team had 85 and was developed and thick. So like that, that sucked. Um, but again, like for me, bowl games are great and all that stuff, but I just wanted to go get groomed and compete and play the game. So like whether if we won, if we won 12 games, like I didn't care if we went to a national, like I, I wanted to go play in a national championship, obviously, but like it wasn't about that for me. It was about going to school, winning, having a great time and getting developed to be the best player that I could be. So I could eventually go play in the NFL. Um, and like I said, any type of bowl game or any type of championship or anything like that was just icing on the cake. Like I was just very like short minded in the sense that I just wanted to get better and I wanted to win football games. and I wanted to have a good time doing it. And I knew that with the class that we had coming in, my 2013 recruiting class, we had a lot of really good players. So I knew that we were still going to have an opportunity because Penn state is still a special place. And in my eyes, a top five, if not top, if if not a top five, definitely a top 10 program in the history of college football. So it's still going to attract good players, even with all that stuff going on, if we go in and win. And fortunately we were able to go in and win and that happened. And now you see where they're at. So like, um, I thought it was just a cool, cool opportunity to be able to go in and not necessarily save a place, but definitely help guide a program through a dark time and kind of be a pillar and somebody who can kind of shoulder that load. So that's how I guess I approached it going into it. And then obviously as it got deeper into my career, like it got more of a, I started this, I got to finish it type of thing. You know what I mean? So Um, for me, it was really important to finish my career there. And like I said, just kind of get us through, be a, be a, be a segue to give other guys an opportunity to make that place really, really special. Was there something in particular that coach O'Brien and then later coach Franklin did to kind of 
make sure to keep the program afloat, make sure it didn't fall under, which it easily could have done with those sanctions. And then you guys, I mean, right after you left, you guys went to the Rose Bowl. So like, was yeah. there something that they just did that was that you were really uh, that was really just well, so like responsible for keeping the program at the prestige that it's at? So I think there was a couple layers to that. Like I think like I don't think there could, I don't think any other coach in the country could have done the job that Bill O'Brien did given the circumstances. Like the guy came in, he was following one of the greatest college football coaches in the history of the game. Um with a lot of other BS going on on the in the background of that and he came into that with in 2012 they won 8 games um which again huge players could have left they didn't they stayed Maudi uh Zordich all those guys like they rallied all those guys they stayed so like that was kind of the precedent that was set and you know fortunately like I said when I saw those guys do that you know I knew that that meant something to them and then I think like segueing into that coach Franklin you know did his thing and he got his players in and he was kind of like the second tier to that in terms of like the evolution of what it was going to be. Um, but like really outside of the coaches, I think like the reason that the program was able to get through that was because of the players and the type of people that were there. Like, I don't think with many other players at that, at many other colleges across the country, there would have been that many guys that stayed and stuck it out and wanted to see it be better when they left or better for the next guys coming in. They wanted to leave it better than they, came into it. So, you know, the coaches were great and they all did their own part, but I think the bigger ass, the bigger part of it was the players and the guys in the locker room that went out there and did it for each other, kind of not against all odds, but with a loaded deck, you know what I mean? Like I said, my, my true freshman, we were playing with 43 guys and we still won seven games in the big 10. So like, that's a testament to the guys in the locker room. Talking a little bit more about the uh, the shift from the shift from Coach O'Brien to Coach Franklin, um, was it like was it a, a major shift in the program or was it very smooth and were there any like huge differences? Um, I, th- I mean, obviously, like with any form of change, like right. there's going to be some things like fundamentally that are different, and there were. Um, but like I said, I think like the natural progression of this, you know, getting coach Franklin in there and then him doing the job that he's done so far is again, like kudos to him. Like he did a great job. Um, but, uh, you know, like I said, like there's, there's change with anything and something that I hinted at earlier, like when coach Franklin came in, I think that's really when the sanctions started to have an effect on how we played. And like I said, on, on our depth, like, I think my, my sophomore year and my junior year, like, we had two of the youngest football teams. We, we probably, both those years, we probably, I, I, I'd have, I'd love to see someone look it up, but I guarantee you we had the youngest football teams in college football both those years. And, like, I mean, we were pulling guys from D line, having to come play offensive line. They haven't played offensive line since they were in high school. And, like, again, that's a testament to the type of guys we had in the locker room. Like, they were going to do whatever they had to do to win the game. And if whatever was asked of them, they were going to go do it 110% balls to the wall. So, um, I think that's something that coach Franklin had to deal with. And I think he did a good job dealing with it. Cause we were, again, we, we won, you know, we were over 500 both those years when everyone, we shouldn't have been, 
You know what I mean? Like it, when you look at it on paper, there, there's no way. So, um, again, a testament to both those guys and, and how they, how they led the way through having to deal with things that not every other coach in college football was dealing with at that point in time. So, um, I thought that they both had different ways of dealing with it, but they both had ways that worked, obviously. So you obviously played in the big 10. What was the toughest environment you had to play in? Toughest environment. Um, Wisconsin was nuts. Um, and unfortunately we played them during their Thanksgiving break. So they didn't have like a full student section. It was still pretty full, but it wasn't like capacity. Um, Wisconsin was awesome. Uh, the horseshoe was really cool. Uh, Michigan didn't get for as many people are there. It didn't get as loud as I thought it would, you know, like we could still talk and communicate pretty well. Like even when it got really loud in there, because I think like that stadium just kind of bows out. So like none of the noise stays in really. We, uh, uh, it's funny you say that because yeah. our last guest, we asked him the same question. He said, exact same thing. The way it's bowed out, Michigan doesn't seem as loud as yeah. you think. And like it should be because you, you like look up and you're like, dude, that's a lot of people because it's like 120,000 yeah. or whatever. It yeah. Is. But it's like, it's not loud. Like we could have like any check, any re-identification, anything that we needed to do, like we could get done. So um, that's what was weird. But definitely like Wisconsin was awesome. That was a really cool environment. Uh, Ohio State was awesome. Um, weirdly enough, one of the games that was really, really loud was uh, Rutgers. When we played them, right when they got to the Big Ten. Was it the um, Cannon crew or was it the fans? <laughs> I, dude, it, I have no idea. Like, again, weirdly enough with how Rutgers has turned out now, but it was like their first game in the Big Ten, and it was a night game, and they did like a blackout because we do our whiteout. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> they got rowdy, dude, and they had a pretty good team that year. Um, but it got really loud for being only like 40,000 people. Um, and uh, that was, like I said, weird for me because, I, I mean, I got recruited by Rutgers. I went to games up there, and it was never like – it never seemed like that type of environment. But I guess like for that reason and that reason only, I guess that's one of the things that they got all fired up for. It was us. It was Penn State who they tried to make like a rival, and it was <laughs> the first game in the Big Ten. So it was like – you know, I guess a big thing for them, but, um, you know, I don't, other than that, I mean, every, every place has something that's really cool about it, but, you know, like I said, I think, uh, I think for me, like, honestly, when we played at Yankee stadium in the pinstripe bowl, like that was cool too. You know what I mean? You know, playing, playing in New York city, playing in the Yankee stadium again on a baseball field, but like they did a great job. That was a cool environment. So like, there's a lot of really cool environments, man, but specifically in the big 10, like Wisconsin, Wisconsin's probably number one for me. And then Ohio state was outside of us. I think we're the best, but outside of us, you know, those, those two places were cool. And for the NFL, would you say that college football helped you prepare for that type of crowd? Or would you say it was kind of similar? Well, it's weird. The NFL doesn't really get like that, man. There's only a right. handful of stadiums that are, that are, that are, I guess like that type of atmosphere. I had the I played in Arrowhead three times, uh, twice with New York. No, I was at Arrowhead once. Or, I was in Arrowhead. I was in Arrowhead more than once. That's all I know. I, it was once with Cincinnati. I definitely once with New York. 
Um, Arrowhead gets like that, which is in Kansas City. That's cool. Arrowhead does get like that, and that's a really cool environment. Um, but uh, the vast majority of the NFL stadiums that I went to, like, it's not. It, it almost seems like it's just like a, like there's not a as much engagement. You know what I mean? There's not as much right. like this matters all game long. You know what I mean? Um, you almost feel like like college football. There's more like I guess when I watched on TV or even when I'm at a game, there was more like passion to it. And there's more like, yeah, I think there's like, I think I don't want to say they care more, but you got bands and students pageantry of the game. It's just, yeah, I I think there's definitely like more of a, uh, more of an intensity level that lasts. Like I said, like, like again, that Rutgers game, like, from the first snap, they were trying to set the precedent, and it stayed loud the whole game. Like, ebbs and flows of the game, like, it stayed loud the whole game. Like, the vast majority of the NFL games that I was in, like, you could sit there and communicate and talk, like, great, all the way up until, like, it got to be nut-cutting time with, like, five minutes left in the game, and it was a close game. Like, then it started getting loud on third downs. Then it started getting hard to communicate. But, like... It just seems like in college, like every snap from the beginning to the end gets like that. And obviously I think like the student section plays a big part in that, like having the, having the kids there, like they're nuts. They're all boozed up. They've been having fun all day. So like (laughs) there's a different aspect to it, but, um, I think it wouldn't be, I just think it would be like an intensity thing. Like the, the, the consistency of intensity is much higher at the college level than it is at the NFL level. But when they both get rowdy, like they both get rowdy, like loud is loud, no matter how you want to make it. But I just think like college it's, it's at that intensity level, the entire game. Whereas like I said, in the league, there's ebbs and flows of intensity. Like if it's a big play or something like that, like, yeah, but it doesn't really start getting consistently loud until, like I said, the game's on the line and, you know, you got seven minutes left in the fourth quarter, and it's a one-score game. Across all, all of your games in college, what to you was the one? I guess it can either be a singular play or a, a game or any moment from your career that stood out to you is like your favorite. That's hard. I mean, obviously, like everyone talks about the Michigan game. That was um, and Allen and you know Allen with you know 20 seconds left in the fourth like that was awesome um but it's weird man like when you sit back and you reflect a little bit like there's there's plays in every game that stick out there's this but those big games like that and even games that like you wouldn't expect like we I threw a game winner to Kyle Carter against Illinois my freshman year and like that play concept has stuck with me and I love that play concept. Like I, I could execute it like at any point in time. So it's like, there's weird things like that, that are, um, that stick with you and you have like moments like that, but like, it's hard, it's hard to sit here and like, honestly give you another example other than the machine game, because that was what it was. Like, that's one of the most storied games in big 10 history. Like it's the longest game in big 10 history. And it's like, that was such an insane game. It was so long. It's like five and a half hours. It was so long, so mentally draining, but it was, uh, like, it's hard to not say that, you know what I mean? But like I said, that's definitely one of like, if not the one, one of the top ones, but there's, there's points everywhere. You know what I mean? There's, there's, there's moments in every game. Speaking of, I guess, play concepts, 
um, you were you were part of Gruden's QB camp coming yeah. out of college. Yeah. Um, what was that whole process like? Like, what, how long was it? What did that consist? It was. It's like a day. It's like you fly. Or like it's. So you fly in the night before. Um, he puts you up, and then you come in for like the day. And that was just cool, man. Like I think John did a good job with a lot of the quarterbacks throughout that entire thing. Just like you get so much. And I think it's a shame, like with the media, like so much negativity around players. Like you could, you could make a case of why someone isn't playing well, like almost any player, you know, like you could sit there and look at it and be like, this guy's not doing this good, whatever. You could go down the whole line. And I think what was cool about John is, is like, he knows how hard it is to play quarterback. Like it's the toughest position in sports and also the most dependent position in sports. Like it's, it's truly like a team position and you have to be a leader of men and you have to orchestrate, 10 other guys to be on the same page for 70 plus snaps a game. Like that's a tough job, man. So I think coach Gruden did a good job of like really highlighting and not just me. I'm just talking like in general across the board, like he highlighted what guys did well. And he also did a good job of like highlighting what their mental and physical makeup was that made them different than anybody and why they had an opportunity to even step on that stage with him and have the conversations and talk. So, um, I thought that was a really cool experience and to have been part of that with a lot of the guys that were on it was also awesome. And like you sit there and you, like I said, just how he, how he produced it and how he talked about all the players that have been through there. Like coach Gruden really means that like he wants, he always tries to find the best in guys and then push them to do that every single day. So, um, that was a cool experience and, you know, to see him now carrying that out in his coaching career is also cool. So that's, he is who he, who he perceives himself to be. Like he is who he portrays himself to be. He's, he's, he's a good dude who really, like I said, always sees the silver lining in players and always wants to push them to be able to be the best they can be. For sure. Jumping back to just Penn state in general, do you feel like the Penn State fan base has a hate, a strong hatred toward Ohio State or Pitt or Michigan or somebody else? I don't know, man. Like the weird thing is, Penn State fans are really nice. Like, like the vast majority of Penn State fans are like, re- like if you go to a game in Beaver Stadium, if you're not in the student section and you just go and talk to like normal fans, like the vast majority of Penn State people are awesome. Not really a Philly crowd. You- no, not a, not a Philly crowd at all, man. So it's like the vast majority of those guys are like good people, but, um, I don't know, man, you know, the hard part is, is I think a lot of teams in the big 10 don't like Michigan because I feel like Michigan has always been like, they always get the best players. Like they're always a top five recruiting class, but like they haven't beaten Ohio state in what? six years you know like they talk like they're world beaters and they haven't done anything yeah like i mean the last time they really have done something was with like lloyd carr and chad henney and mike hart and those guys you know what i mean and like there's no they hold themselves like an ivy league school like they like they have like that like that like you know pompousness to them that's like ridiculous so yeah, I, I mean, I, and I have a lot of friends that went to Michigan. I, I know a lot of those guys. And like I said, I, I respect it. I love that place. It's a, it's a cool, cool college town. But I just feel like that aura that it gives off, like, forces people to be like, man, like, I don't like those guys, you know? Yeah. It's just like they're, like, better than you type of thing. And it's like, well, like, come on, man. Like, what have you really, like, done to earn the, that other than be Michigan, you know? 
yeah, I think it's Michigan. I mean, you know, definitely like there's some stuff with Ohio State. Like that's always a great rivalry. Um, you know, but Pitt, like Pitt. I think Pitt, though, if you want to talk about like full on, like full, full on hatred, like it's that's that's probably it. Like if you talk to like a normal person sitting in the stands, like they don't like Pitt. So, you know, it's it's probably Pitt, Michigan. Um, so you've obviously you graduated four years ago. Um, how often do you keep up with Penn State football nowadays? Yeah, I mean every time it's on, I watch it. Like again, proud alum, proud Letterman. You know, had the opportunity to you know do a lot of really good things, set a bunch of records. Some of them have broken, some of them haven't. Like it's so like for me, like I love watching it. Um, and again, like I, I hinted at earlier, like I think as I got deeper into my career there, like a bigger part of it for me was like, cause I could have left. I probably could have transferred, but I think a bigger part of it for me was again, like seeing it through and making sure that the program was in a better place than when I got there. And it is. So it's like, that's a rewarding part of it for me is like being able to see the success that's going on now. And then hopefully continue to see that for years to come. Because again, like I said, like, college football is in a better place when Penn state's good, when Texas is good, when USC is good, when Notre Dame's good. So like those programs, like those like historic Florida state, when Florida state's good. So like when those like historic programs are good, college football's in a better place, you know, as a whole. So like, again, it's, it's cool to see them playing well. And, uh, you know, that's that's why I, I I love watching. I love getting up there too. So getting up to games. So I'm I'm looking forward to that. Hopefully next year, you know, we get back up to games. And, um. So or, in uh in 2016, your draft year, you obviously spent a lot of time with your QB class, whether it be from the combine, the rookie premiere. What was it kind of like growing a relationship with those guys, and then kind of seeing them disperse across the league? Yeah. Well, I think one of the crazy things is like, I mean, like Jared and I go back to like my junior year in high school, you know? So like, it's cool seeing how all of that developed. And then actually like Dak and I got pretty close at the Manning camp. And so did Cody Kessler and I got pretty close at the Manning camp. And then I saw Cody again as a counselor at the elite 11. So we got to spend four days together then. So like, really it's cool to have all of those different things, the Manning camp, the elite 11 as both as a player and a counselor and like all of those different experiences, because you really get to know each other and you always keep up with each other and you always pull for each other. And, uh, I think that's one of the cool things about the quarterback position is it's a unique fraternity. And when you see guys have success, you know, what goes into it and you know how hard it is. So like, it's cool. And then, you know, again, like you said, like being able to, kind of see it all the way through with each other and, and go through all those experiences at the same time, maybe in different schools, different States, whatever, different stages, but go through those experiences. Like I thought that was really cool. You know, like, again, like a guy like Jared and I, like we basically grew up together. So in, in the terms of like the quarterback world, right? Like he grew up in California and I grew up in Virginia, but in the terms of the quarterback world, like in anything that mattered, like he and I were there and we were competing against each other hanging out with each other, picking each other's brains. So like that was always really cool. Um, and I think that's a, I think that's something that's, that's good about the whole process of 
those types of camps and what they've gotten to is you get to spend time with those guys and pick each other's brains and push each other. You know what I mean? You get to see what's out there. You get to go throw for throw with guys. You get to have fun with that. So, um, I think that's something that's really cool. And then that obviously, like you said, like that, that follows you all the way into the NFL. You know what I mean? So, um, it's been cool. So of all the people you played with at Penn state, I guess you would know better than me, but at least one of the better ones you played with was, uh, Saquon Barkley. Yeah. What what was it like playing with, with him when you did? And like, is, is he just like, so, so I had him as a puppy. Right. Yeah. And, uh, he was a freak, man. I, I love Saquon. He's a great kid. Um, he was the only freshman in my two years that I was considered an upperclassman there, my sophomore and junior year, who came up to me after the first seven-on-seven seven and was like, yo, I want to watch film. I want to pick your brain. I want you to talk to me through pass protections. I want you to stay with me for an extra 30 minutes and throw these three routes because I want to feel them again. Like – was a pro at 18, like just a, just got it, understood it. And then on top of that was a physical freak. So, um, he was special. Um, and I, I'm not at all surprised by the success he's having and I'm super happy for him. That's awesome. So we mentioned kind of fan atmospheres, uh, before, and we talked about that Michigan game, what was it like playing in one of the whiteout games, both, you know, the actual game itself and then everything building up to it? Was there something, was there like a different kind of aura surrounding it? Yeah. Well, I mean, I remember my, my freshman year, um, game day did like a little special, like that is in my opinion, like the premier, like anyone who asked me and I try to be as unbiased as possible because like, during the recruiting process, I went to the game, the game of the century down in Alabama and LSU, oh, when yeah. it, the nine, six game or whatever, like that was my visit to Alabama. And like that, that atmosphere was insane. Um, there's a ton of other stadiums that are really, really cool. But like, to me, uh, night whiteout at Penn state, like there's nothing like it. And like a guy like Kirk Herbstreet, who's an Ohio state guy says that like, there's something to that. You know what I mean? So the whole aura, like the feel of that. And like I said, I, I think it's hard because like my freshman year, like I didn't really, like I said, the game was so long. I was so locked in. Like I didn't like snap out of it a little bit until I think like the second overtime. And I remember looking around and I was like, Holy shit. You know, I was like, Whoa, dude, like, it is, like <laughs> insane. Um, but you don't like realize it when you're playing. But then if you ever like snap out of that, like, game mode focus lock in tunnel visions thing and you look around like it is it's it's a dude it is a site and it is really really cool and i tell everybody i'm like if any at least anyone on the east coast who's like hey like what's what's a great college football venue i'm like go to a penn state whiteout and that's all you got like that's it you know um you know i'm sure there's a lot of other really cool ones out there that i haven't experienced yet but like I said, it's it's going to be tough to beat that, in my opinion. Yeah, that's really cool. So this is a question I always ask all our guests. Uh, if I were to be walking down the street, State College, Pennsylvania, and I were to bump into you, and I asked you, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm starving. i got to go somewhere. What restaurant you direct me toward? Oh, 
Well, what are the circumstances? Is it like, eh, it depends, man. Like there's, there's a, there's a cool, uh, there's a really good, um, thing like on the outside of town. It's called GG Southern table. That's a good restaurant. But it's like I said, it's kind of like on the outside of town. Mm-hmm. But like, if you go downtown, like you got to hit the, you got to hit the, all of the, um, gosh, all the, uh, the corner room right there. Like that's a big one. Like you got to hit all like the historic ones. You know what I mean? Like you gotta, you gotta experience the downtown state college. State college is really nice. Um, you know, and I hope with all this COVID stuff, you know, a lot of those small businesses make it through because a lot of those little mom and pop restaurants and stuff like that downtown are what make that town so cool and gives it that like college town feel, you know? So hoping that those guys pull through with all this stuff and the loss of the loss of the fans. Cause that's a big yeah. economic in, influx throughout the year. So, um, but I'd say one of those two, it depends on what you want to get, you know? Right. So, so one of those two, I'd direct you down to. All right. Well, Christian, we really appreciate you coming on. Best of luck to you, um, as you move forward in your career. Yeah, I appreciate it. Best of luck to you guys too. Thank you. Thanks. Stay safe. Well, it was an honor to have our first NFL draft pick on the show with Christian Hackenberg, a very well-known name across the sports world as he played quarterback for the Jets as well as Penn State. It was cool to see his insight on big stadiums such as Michigan and as well as what it was like playing for the whiteout game and playing for a program in Penn State, which when he came in, it was kind of... A, rec- a wrecked place, but he really turned it around through his four years, especially with the transition from Coach Franklin to Coach, o- Coach O'Brien, uh, with both being two very high-level, respected coaches, and Coach O'Brien moving on to the pros and playing with the Texans. What else did you guys think? I thought it was really interesting that when Paterno was there, even though he was a five-star, he really hadn't received any you know, feedback Penn State or really hadn't really been talking to him a ton, even though it was on his initial list. But when O'Brien got the job, he was really fired up to be able to potentially go play for a guy who had just been working. He was a pro-style quarterback, and obviously O'Brien had just been the Patriots offensive coordinator working with Tom Brady. So, you know, it really doesn't get the situation, like you said, doesn't really get better than that for a pro-style quarterback. So as soon as O'Brien gets the job, he talks with O'Brien. He goes up there, and he she was a straight shooter with him. So it was really interesting how that unfolded when O'Brien got the job, and that turned out great for him because he obviously went on to have a great career, salvaged a program that could have easily slipped with all the turmoil that they were in, and now Penn State's returned to its prominence on the national level. Yeah, for sure, and um – you know, after he left, they it's not like they they immediately fell off a cliff. You know, he kind of him and I guess you know all his teams, um, along with coaches, obviously they kind of brought the program back and they've sustained success rather than having a a good season here or there. They've you know McSorley yeah. came in and he you know he he did well. Uh, Saquon. Is obviously, he, yeah, you know, certainly doesn't have to ha- hurt to have an elite running back like right. Saquon Barkley in your program, especially. Yeah, no, I mean, but all, all I'm saying is, 
you know, you'll see these stories of, you know, some programs coming back and having, having one good season. Um, Miami had that one good season a few years back and um, haven't really repl- replicated that since. And that's a, another program that's, you know, kind of fallen off in the sense that they're not as good as they used to be. But Penn State, at least it looks like they're able to sustain that success and they've been one of the best programs in the Big Ten. Um, obviously, Ohio State, you know, still kind of runs that runs that conference, but they've definitely been competitive. Yeah, yeah, I remember he mentioned the the sleeping giants of college football and how Penn State mm-hmm. could have e- easily fallen into into that hole that some of these other schools have for the better part of the last decade, like USC, Texas, Florida State, and they've been able to followed that tough period up with sustained success, which was in part due to him, his leadership, his play, and his team. I mean, he mentioned his team had, what, 43 scholarship players playing, and they managed to make a bowl game and finish two seasons in a row with completely undersized rosters and two winning records. It's impressive. And and they weren't in – no offense to the Sun Belt, but they weren't competing against the Sun Belt. They were in the Big Ten. They were playing Ohio State, Michigan, Wisconsin, Iowa. They're playing good programs. And they were able to sustain success, which was impressive. Join us next time for our 10th episode of the Walk On Podcast. Thank you. See you guys.